When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is mid-September. We're just about a month away before things start heating up in the NBA again. Of course, football is the dominant sport at the moment. Tragic, tragic loss for my Cleveland Browns in Kansas City last Sunday. But we're moving forward, looking ahead. I'm sure that Brian is as well after watching his Bears fall to the Los Angeles Rams. So we're going to talk about basketball because this is a basketball podcast called Keeping It 94. If you haven't been paying attention, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another edition brought to you by, of course, the basketballnews.com podcast network what's up fritzy i think we need to deep dive into this cleveland browns game from last week because (laughs) you know i was on the verge of texting you saying wow what a great win to start the season and then they turned into the cleveland browns okay actually that's not not fair you can't say it that way (laughs) you can't say it that way you were on the road against the kansas city chiefs i think they had a little bit of something to do with Exactly. That's that's a little bit more fair. So, they're, they're, they're very good. Patrick Mahomes is an alien. Okay. He is. It's just the way it goes. The way it goes. See, here's the difference, though, between the two of us, okay, for this season and our, and our, our teams that we root for. You being the Browns and me being the Bears. One of our teams has hope. It is not my team. I'll just say that right now. And I'm not one of these people that scream into the hills, get Justin Fields in there right now. I'm like, I'm fine bringing them along slow because guess what? The Bears are not winning this season anyway. And I don't want that kid to get slaughtered. Okay. So if you want to take it slow and work him in and get him more comfortable, he's going to be the quarterback of the future. I'm all for it because even if he was behind center, and I'm going to say this blatantly, and it's going to hurt some people. The Chicago Bears suck. They flat out suck this season. They're going to suck. They will give you some moments of hope like they did in the Rams game. But in the end, they got beat by 20 points. This is the way this season is going to go. Prepare yourself. Maybe they won't suck as bad as some other teams. Maybe they will actually win four, five games. That's a best-case scenario, though. Cleveland Browns, best-case scenario, Super Bowl contenders. Chicago oh, Bears. God, it sounds good. Chicago Bears, best case scenario, not the first pick in the NFL draft come 2022. Okay. 
You have a Buckeye waiting in the wings, though, so you should be very, very thankful. Oh, I even wasn't though, even going to mention though, the Buckeyes. Even though, OS, even though OSU did fall to Oregon, you know, that was another tough one here. It was it was a very tough weekend results-wise in the OHIO, but it's okay. We're moving on. Bigger, better things. Just like this podcast, bigger, better things. Like UCF, my school, starts the season with a big win against Boise State. Come back from 21 points down. Oh, and by the way, they just joined the Big 12 as well. And I know it's not Good the Lord. Big 12 that we're used to and that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. But guess what? They're going to be in a power five. And that's a big, big, big deal. It is. And that, that whole conference realignment thing, I, I can't wrap my head around it. But, I can't but, 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 there's a little bit of twisting and turning going on in the association right now. One that probably isn't so surprising. We had a piece of news drop. On Tuesday, we were recording this on a Wednesday afternoon at 1.39 p.m. Eastern Time. Very specific. Don't know why I went there, but I went there anyway. John Wall and the Rockets, they are headed for a severance. But the reason being is the Rockets just want to continue to build young teams and just kind of move forward with their backcourt of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., they want to be able to give mitts to Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba. You know, they still have Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin. The list goes on. All kinds of young talent. So no need for John Wall to be there. He did a really good job serving in a mentorship leadership role uh, as a veteran for Houston last season. Uh, but it appears that that is coming to an end. Mutually, the two parties have agreed uh, that he will report to camp, but he won't be playing any games until a new home is found. Now, a lot of people thought buyout, but, you know, for a guy that makes $47 million annually, don't think that's probably possible. And John is not going to give back a cent of that, and I wouldn't either if I was one of the highest paid players in the NBA. So, where does John Wall go? Where do the Rockets look? To send him. Let me correct you on one thing. He does not make forty-seven million. He makes a paltry forty-four point three million this coming oh, season, Spencer. One of them was a player option, right? That was forty-seven. <laughs> Next season, the, <laughs> this coming season's forty-four point three. The following season's forty-seven point three. He's owed. Okay. He's owed over ninety-one million dollars over the next a, two a seasons. Paltry, paltry three million dollar difference. I mean, that's why he can't give up a penny of it because he'd be slumming it if he did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, like he said. It, it's going to be tough to find a trade partner. And this is going back to something that I think we all thought was going to happen from a standpoint of where does John Wall fit on the Houston Rockets going forward and their youth movement. And that's why, and I'll even bring this up. I made the bold prediction many months ago that I said, John Wall was going to be the starting point guard for the LA Lakers this coming season. And the reason why I said that is because I thought he was going to get bought out. And then he would be okay taking a very, very tiny deal from another team, you know, because he was still getting that Rockets money. But apparently that's not going to be the case. And they want to do a flat-out trade. And when you're talking about that amount of money, that means that player is going to almost have to play. And I know it's only for two seasons. If it was one season, it would be different. But for two seasons, you would think that guy's got to play. And... um And for somebody that 
has John Wall's skills and his production these days. Still a good player, but he's never going to meet the production when it comes to that salary. I don't know where he fits, and I don't even know what kind of trade can go down. There was a couple I could kind of think in my head initially, but they don't make sense because of what other teams already have, and he is not a player of need for those teams. If our listeners are any of the bit curious, in 40 games last year, Wall averaged 20.6 points, 6.9 assists, and 1.1 steals. Uh, He did not have the best field goal percentage, 40%, just around there. And as we all know, John Wall is not the greatest three-point shooter. It's the worst Uh, shooting percentage he's had, I believe, in about a decade. Yeah, probably not the greatest. And, you know, with the injury history coming off of uh, I believe it was an Achilles uh, in Washington when he got traded for Russell Westbrook the, the uh, offseason beforehand. So not any easier. Uh, let's roll through some of these trade scenarios that Evan Sidery put out for us on basketballnews.com. Great article yesterday. Uh, just a part of our series where we examine potential trade destinations for any names that bubble to the surface. So there are three teams that he has listed here. I don't know if you've read the article there, Brian, but we're just going to go through it here. No, I read it right before we started taping. Perfect. Perfect. So his first one is uh, kind of the obvious thought for everybody uh, when it comes to veterans who make a lot of money but are considered to be on a bad contract. Who's the first person you call? Sam Presti. So in this scenario, the Oklahoma City Thunder would receive John Wall and obviously future draft compensation and the Rockets would take back Derek Favors and a combination of either or Isaiah Roby and Gabriel Deck. So what do you think of the Thunder fit? We do know that they just traded away their veteran Al Horford over to the Celtics, and they're kind of veterans lists in a way for the first time, I think, in, in a little while. And Kemba Walker's gone after the I mean, you, you, you have... So. Yeah, I was going to say you have Derek Favors, but, you know, they, they've had somebody with experience these last, like, three years. Right. You know, they've had the Chris Paul, you know, last year. Uh, you know, you go in and look at the, you know, the Al Horford that they had uh, in there to, you know, kind of maintain the, uh, you know, the direction. They had George Hill around them last year. So they've always had someone with, you know, 10 plus years of experience on that roster looking forward right now. That's something that they're lacking. I mean, other than again, uh, you know, Derek favors being there, uh, Mike Muscala would be the next one up who I believe they did resign this off season. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and I also forgot to mention too, Gallinari was on that team with Chris Paul. So this is a situation where Sam Presti's probably looking at himself like, uh, okay, who's going to step up and be my veteran this year for a year before I go off and flip you? Well, what I was also thinking too was, you know, they had acquired Kemba Walker and people are like, well, how are you going to play him with Shea Gilders Alexander? And I think the Thunder would have found a way to do it, but obviously they don't have to worry about that now since they did, you know, take the buyout on Kemba. So if they could have done it with him, I think they could do it with John Wall. Now, obviously, you know, Shea is the star player of that team going forward. That's who they're building around. Um, But I think they could find a fit for John Wall to get minutes on there. And it's not like he has to play a lot. And the other thing, too, is with the Thunder, if you put a John Wall on there, there are no expectations to win immediately. 
which is different from a lot of other teams that is going to acquire a player that's making that much money. There's going to be expectations that go with it. Those expectations are not there with the Thunder. In fact, I think the Thunder could make an argument once again that we don't want to play well. We want to get another awesome draft pick and actually have it be an awesome draft pick this year where last year was a very good one, but it was not, you know, one, two, or three. And um, in the meantime, they can take on a salary in a player like John Wall to get other assets. Now, mind you, how many picks is too much? I don't know. We can have that eternal argument, but they're one of the few teams that does make sense for getting, you know, John Wall. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I could see it, but again, I don't know if they have enough. How many times do they want to go down that road? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, tiring. Sam Presti, Sam Presti is a, a damn stubborn individual and he has his way about doing things. Um, but if you don't the know Rockets, how many more picks he could take, but. <laughs> but if you're the Rockets, how many, how many picks are you willing to give up? Right, especially I mean, where you're at as a franchise. Yeah, I mean, you just made the, you know, the deal last year and, and you know, giving up Harden, you got picks there. No, You know, who knows how good those picks are really going to be. But, I mean, I, I don't know if they really are in the mood to be giving up multiple first-round picks to get off of John Wall. Maybe if it's one. I can understand that, especially if it's one that's like a Nets pick. And you wonder if it's unprotected, too. Right. If, like if, if it, it would have to be unprotected. If it was a Nets pick, then I could see one, maybe two, because you know those are not going to be close to the lottery. I would not be giving up any of my own. I mean, if, or if you did, those would have to be heavily, heavily protected. Yes. Yes. Door number two. This one, because the Dallas Mavericks apparently have not had that great of an offseason. Uh, it kind of mixed feelings on our website if you go look at our roundtables about what the Mavericks have done. But in this case, Evan Sidery said that John Wall could go to the Mavericks along with one of Usman Garuba or Alperin Shangun uh, and also future draft compensation, obviously. Uh, but the Rockets would get back Kristaps Porzingis, Moses Brown, and Willie Cauley-Stein. What do you think? I don't think the Mavericks are ready to give up on Porzingis yet. I think they want at least another half of a season with him. They want to see if he's healthy this year. And because last year he obviously was not, even though he was back in the court and they want to see, can they find him, you know, find a role for him and Luca to work together. Can they make that a one, two punch as they've imagined? And um, if he's healthy and they give it a try and it still doesn't work, then, then I can see them moving Porzingis. But until then, I, I don't think they want to move off him yet. Okay. I, what do you think about just the, the, the potential thought of John Wall fitting in next to Luca, though? Is that, is that a match? Not you really, because that, he can't shoot. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the problem. He can't you shoot. You would put, because you would essentially be putting Luca off ball because he would have less ball handling duties. But you don't want to do that because Luca does the most damage when he's that playmaker, when he's, you know, obviously pulling up, shooting the basketball, driving and kicking. You would essentially kind of split those duties with Wall and make him more of an off-ball guy. And we know that Luca's not the fastest person. so But he is a great creator. And people talk yeah. about, like, you want to lower his usage rate. I'm like, that sounds all good and everything, but they're probably most effective when he has a high usage rate. 
And unless you could find somebody else who is doing more with the ball or is doing just as much. And that's kind of the conundrum that they're in there when it comes to Luca, because yeah, I understand that. Like, Hey, let's save some energy, have them a little bit more off ball, but that person's got to be a shooter and it's not John wall. Yeah. Yeah. And then situation number three, the final situation that Evan put out there. And this one's a little wacky to me. Uh, and I think he knows that too, but uh, it's just, you know, there's not many places for wall to go in a one for one deal, you know, like a one team to one team deal. So he got a little creative here, did a four team deal. So let's go down the list here. So John wall would go to the San Antonio Spurs along with Dario Saric, Jalen Smith, and Paul Reed. The Phoenix Suns would get Thaddeus Young and Drew Eubanks. The 76ers would get DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Jakob Pertl, Al Farouk Aminu, and future first-round picks. And the spot that Ben Simmons would land in would be Houston with Isaiah Joe and Daquan Jeffries. Now, we know that Ben Simmons has been in rumors Probably not going to be a part of the Sixers uh, when the season starts, as we know. Not planning to report to camp. You know, things aren't great there. So Simmons is going to be on the move. Do you think Simmons could be a part of getting John Wall out of Houston if it is in a multi-team deal like this? And what do you think about this proposal? Because it gets a little complicated. uh, But I'm seeing this and I'm like, damn, I like the Sixers return here. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, like, I think any deal with Ben Simmons is almost going to have to include multiple teams at this point. I look at this trade and I think like, I like it for everybody except for the Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) I look at that, you know, and I'm like, okay, well the Rockets get Ben Simmons, you know, and they're a rebuilding team. I I get that, you know, Sixers get a nice, uh, a nice haul. Uh, they 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 get some good role players, including Dejounte Murray, who's the guy that's going to stand out there. You know, the Suns get another good role player in, in Thad Young, um, and and that can help with their front line, especially with Sarge, who's probably going to miss the entire season. So, you know, I don't know why the Spurs necessarily want to do that deal, but I, hey, I I give all the credit in the world to Evan for uh, coming up with that idea. Seriously. Uh, I think maybe the logic would be that the Spurs like realize that they're not going to be able to compete. I mean, look at the moves that they made this offseason. So, so perplexing, uh, you know, taking away a lot of time from young players to sign, you know, Doug McDermott, Zach Collins. Uh, it, it was a really, really weird kind of free agency for them, in my opinion. So maybe the logic is, okay, if they do realize that, then we go and get that, uh, you know, that veteran that, still allows us to compete. Um, And since we have too many young players now that that we don't want to do, and we don't want to, you know, go through this rebuild or retool, whatever they want to call it. You know, you do get a former top 10 pick in Jalen Smith who hasn't been playing in Phoenix. Paul Reed has a lot of fans of Philadelphia. I saw that firsthand at summer league. Uh, Just a, a really solid big body three slash four. Uh, that can do a lot of things, very versatile uh, and athletic. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just thinking from from this perspective. Uh, even though the Spurs, you know, signed you know a good majority of these players to extensions, uh, Lonnie Walker was one of my odd men out anyway. 
um, and he's involved in this this hypothetical deal. So I get it, um, but I think it might it still might not be enough uh, to part with someone like Dejounte, who I think has a ridiculously high ceiling um, and is one of the top defenders on ball in the league right now. Um, but yeah, very, very creative. Uh, so those were just a few, uh, you know, kind of moves that were surfacing. I know me being in Cleveland, I have to mention it because everyone's talking about what's Kevin Love going to do and Kevin Love not going to do a buyout. So what is going to happen with his role, blah, blah, blah. John Wall and Kevin Love don't know how the money matches up. Obviously it's close enough. Um, don't think that's going to happen though. Just going to, well, here's the thing though. I mean, put that out there. John Wall would not fit in a major role there. No, no. And essentially the Cavs would have to flip Rubio right off the bat. Well, the thing was too, like if you, cause that was the other team I immediately thought of. I was like, Oh, well, Kevin Love. But the thing is, I think you'd have to have multiple teams. And now you're talking about multiple teams where the two guys making the most amount of money are going to be going to a team where they're not going to be playing that much. Right. And you know, this is kind of branching off. But isn't it crazy, like, the buyout market used to be guys that were 35, 36, going to ring chase, right? Now it's happening with guys that are 29, 30, 31, that are still still active. I mean, Alex Kennedy did a great story today. It's the main page of basketball news at the moment. Uh, Blake Griffin talking about his exit from Detroit and, you know, being rejuvenated with the Nets. And you realize this dude's, like, in his early thirties, like he's not extremely old or as old as you probably thought he was uh, because of injury history. Like he's only going to be in his 10th season in the league or 11th season of the league. So that right there should just show you, this is becoming more common for guys that are still sort of, sort of in their prime to hit the bio market. We saw it with Andre Drummond. Um, I think that, you know, we could possibly see it, you know, with other superstars in the, in the future, maybe not superstars, but you know, former all-stars that maybe might have done down their luck. I'm sure that we can find plenty of those types of, you know, players that are scattered around the league, but is it at all weird to you that this buyout thing and this asking out thing is becoming more and more common? I think as guys look at it in teams, look at it harder and say, do we really have a fit for this? Is it good to even have this person around? Because number one, you don't want somebody that sooner or later, there's going to be a human element and somebody could get upset. Okay. The other thing is too, it's kind of a good thing to do just to say, Hey, we don't have a role for you. We, we want to be upfront with it, but at the same time, we don't want it to affect your career because we know you want to play. So we, we want to do you the favor of getting you out of here and getting you to a situation that can be better suited for you in your career. And that's going to kind of appease everybody as well. The problem is the hit of a team not getting anything for said player. And you have to weigh that saying, is it just better to bite the bullet salary. and get somebody yeah. out of here compared to what we can get if you can't get anything for it, or if you're taking something that could have an adverse effect down the line, or if you have to attach assets to it, that's the problem. And, you know, in these two particular cases, when it comes to wall and it comes to Kevin love, Kevin loves making 31 million 
this coming season. And then he makes 28 plus the following season. So, I mean, him and John Wall still have a, there's a pretty good gap in money between the two. And they can sit there and both say, I'm not going to take, you know, a buyout and it, where I'm not, I'm giving up any money. At what point do you play this little, you know, game of chicken and somebody gives even just a little, you know, or, or does a team finally get to a point where going, there is no trade for you. We'll just buy you out and give you, you know, every cent you owed. I, I, and it's I wonder too. if it actually gets to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, because we just mentioned him, but what if Chris Stapps Porzingis is the next on that list? Because we, he signed a huge contract uh, not so long ago. And if he doesn't return to form, is he in the same exact predicament as John Wall and Kevin Love? You know, I, I like, think because he can shoot and because of his size, I think he Kevin Love can shoot. The he can't do some of the stuff that Porzingis can. Well, yeah, he's not, you know, on stilts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Porzingis still has three years left on his deal. You know, Wall's got two, Love's got two. I I still think that Porzingis can do enough where you can move him. You know, um, now his deal is he's making 31 and a half this year. It goes up to 33 and then 36. So it's high, but it's not John Wall high. You okay. know, it's not super max high. Right. You know? Right. By the way, can I go on a, a quick little tangent and just mention something real quick? Oh, a tangent. We didn't have one of those last time. No, so go ahead. Do you know that Damian Lillard is super max eligible again? Coming up, here. I feel like I feel like I did know that. Yeah, because I mean he's on a supermax, but he's already eligible for another extension coming up here shortly. So he's on a supermax, but he's already eligible for a supermax extension. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, you take it. You do. You sign the sign the money, and then just be like, all right, after a year, uh, not working. Uh, well, I mean, how many years does he left have left on his deal? I got. Right. I, I can't remember. I gotta. I gotta look this up real, real quick. But um, he, yeah. I. So he's got. He's making uh thirty nine million this year, forty two, forty five, and then he's got a player option, four years from now for, almost forty nine. Isn't it wild that we're already talking about that? It's four years from now. Who who the hell knows where his career goes from here? Right. Where where his where the where the Blazers go from here? We're already talking about four years later. Like. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me how forward-looking everything is in this. Oh, thing. that's it's, what it's, it always is. I mean, hey, it's crazy, and it's not fair. But I mean, what did people say when Zion? Oh, he's going to New Orleans. Like, don't get me on that again. We already have the market. Clip. Is the he going to be going? The clips on Twitter, Brian. We don't I need know. to get me on going on that. But one that's game. that's the way it always is. Even if a guy's there for only a year or two, it's just say the same thing originally happened with Luca. You know, where people are like, oh, man, he's in Dallas. We'll see, you know, and is he going to want to go to a bigger market, you know, and or even, hey, how, how long do we have to talk about Giannis in the situation in Milwaukee? I mean, that was a two-year talk, including them like, ah, oh, you know, they don't have enough, you and know, now he, no he's got to get crap. out of there. And mm-hmm. then he signs the Supermax, and what happened? He won a championship. Yep, yep. And it, this actually is kind of uh, relevant because I didn't know if you saw the quote going around today. I forget whose podcast it was on. I think it might have been Chris Haynes' podcast uh, of Yahoo. But basically, Carmelo Anthony just killed the narrative of uh, loyalty in sports. And it's always a fascinating conversation with me because there are two sides that no one likes to talk about uh, where the team, you know, if they let someone go after a long time and 
you know, they're, they're say they're seen as just doing their job, but when a player, you know, doesn't want to be where they're at anymore, then they're seen as the, the villain, you know, the first examples I immediately think of are Isaiah Thomas with the Boston Celtics. I think of DeMar DeRozan with the Toronto Raptors, um, as far as, you know, organizations, you know, playing them dirty a little bit. Uh, but, and, and we obviously know that, you know, trade requests and unhappiness in one particular environment is uh, quite common these days. Uh, but I just thought, you know, that's kind of similar to what we're talking about in a way uh, because it does relate to, you know, Supermax extensions and whatnot. And, you know, contracts, yeah. what do they actually mean? Uh, are they, you know, binding, you know, all of this stuff? And that was Chris Haynes' podcast that Mello was on. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a time, and it didn't feel like it was too long ago, when you really felt like a loyalty to a team that drafted you or will stick it out. There, there was something special about that. But I think the narrative has changed so much, in the, especially in, in the NBA, where you know you're not going to stay with the same team for your entire career. You just know it. It's not going to happen. It's a rarity if it does. And I think players have wrapped their head around that and said, yeah, I want to win. I want to be part of a community and a fan base. But at the same time, I know going into this, it's going to change. And it has to change for a variety of reasons. There's going to be a point where it's going to be better for my career. There's going to be a point where it's better for a team. And it's just something that I think they go into it now knowing that. And it's not, it's not as difficult for a player to accept it as it once was. Right. And that's, that's just where we're at as, as a league now. Right. But I do give credit to the guys that they are trying to stick it out or make it work. Guys like, you know, I've I've talked about Bradley Peel. We see Damian Lillard doing that so far. Doesn't mean it's bad if they leave, but at the same time, if they want to stay and it's working out and you know, they don't want to just, you know, leave just to leave. Then I get it. I mean, hell, I mean, look at all the great players over the years that have played with other organizations. Kobe Bryant wanted out of LA. Mm-hmm. Like he was ready to go to the Pistons. He almost signed as a free agent with the Clippers. I mean, before he got talked down by the Lakers owner at the time with Dr. Buss. So, I mean, Shaq played multiple teams. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, he played for two franchises and he asked out of one. It's funny because so we talked about Alex Kennedy and the OPCSL before the site. I was with Alex when he interviewed Kareem and we flat out asked him that, like, what was it like to ask out of Milwaukee and see that trend now? I mean, that's something that people don't really talk about that much. Kareem is one of the first guys to really do that. Like when it comes to a superstar saying, Hey, I've enjoyed my time here, but adios time to go. And he got his way. Yep. And I guess you're just kind of seeing that it's, it's not, like it just started at a certain point. Like it's something that's been around for a while. And that probably a false narrative, you know, of this is like a huge change, which it's not, it's not. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It is. It is. I mean, you do see it, but you do see both sides of the argument. You do. Absolutely. I mean, look at the NFL. I mean, that's the one where that, unless you're a quarterback, there's almost no chance you're going to stay with uh, a team for your entire career, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yep. I mean, the, the NFL is probably the toughest one. And then right behind that is the NBA to stay with the same team yep. for your entire career. Agreed. Agreed. 
Moving on, we're on to extensions. One big one signed on Tuesday afternoon. Aaron Gordon, $92 million extension over four years. Uh, Keith Smith, the spot rack, uh, did say that it's more like 87 to 80 million, 87, 87 to 88 million. Um, you know, uh, in total, but with four or five million dollars in bonuses, uh, but still a hefty payday for Mr. Gordon with his is uh, still typically, uh, you know, new fresher team only been there since about February or March. Yeah, it was March trade deadline. Sorry, I can't remember that. Um, but big time payday. And, uh, you know, Nicole Jokic is paid. Jamal Murray is paid. Aaron Gordon is paid. Michael Porter Jr. is probably next in line. But. Gordon is clearly a part of this core. Denver realizes the window is what it is right now. And although it's a hefty amount, you have to appreciate them keeping the band together the way they have. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to come at a premium, you know? Yeah. But, and the thing is with Gordon, because you can look at the numbers, you can look at the numbers and say, okay, 11 points and five rebounds. And we're paying 22 million for that a year. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough, but you can't base it off of sal. You know, you can't base it off of the stats. You got to look at the defensive impact. You got to look at uh, the the way that he's going to develop this chemistry with Nikola Jokic that we saw last year, just off of backdoor passes for dunks and uh, you know alley oops and uh, an improved three point percentage in the playoffs. He shot thirty nine percent from deep. So that part is definitely you know helpful. It's tough to pay, you know, a third wheel, so to speak, that kind of money. But listen, you're going to need him in this opening part of the season when Jamal Murray is recovering from this injury. And Aaron Gordon, yeah, he's probably going to be asked to produce somewhere between 17 to 18 points a game while Nicole Jokic runs the show. Well, I think the biggest thing for them is like, you know, we, we don't want to give up an asset. What we saw last year was just a taste of what we were going to get with him. He didn't perform that well in the playoffs, but they probably feel like that's an outlier. He's going to get that money somewhere. So it might as well be here. And if it doesn't fit, then we will trade him down the line. You know, the question I have when it comes to the nuggets and they know everything's getting pricey now, but when it comes to Michael Porter jr. Okay. So you just gave Aaron Gordon, say 22. How much are you going to give Porter? Is he a max How close to a max? You're probably looking at 25 to 26 at the moment. That's what I was thinking. Because he hasn't done enough yet. Now, mind you, I'm sure he could make, you can make an argument that he could get the max. And that's based on just what other players are getting production wise. Which is wild. Because I mean, it is wild. All due respect, all due respect to some of these second, third year guys. But talking max right off the bat for all these guys is just crazy to me. Who, how well, quickly, how quickly this all happens. Let me throw it at you this way then. Who do you think has a better chance of getting a max? Michael Porter Jr. or DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns? I would have to go Michael Porter Jr. just because knowledge of what the positions provide, um, the direction of the game, scoring's more of a, a priority. I think you look at the roles. Nicole Jokic is definitely looking for Michael Porter Jr. on the outside more than they're looking to DeAndre Ayton in the inside in the post. They're looking for him to block shots. They're looking for him to get rebounds. 
clean up possessions and all that. Whereas Porter plays, I guess, more of an aggressive role uh, on the offensive end is obviously somebody that needs to, to improve on the defensive end. And maybe that's the one element that does keep him from getting this max that we're talking about. But you bring up a great point because this class is now going to be eligible before the season to get paid. I would make the argument that I think Aiton has a better chance of getting the max just because of the position. And I understand that big guys can be, you know, in in today's game, we talk about like you can spend less money on bigs. He certainly tied it up well because he had his best run during the postseason and during the finals. Absolutely. The best thing he could have done for himself before this season. And for a guy that's still improving and for a guy that, yes, he is a big guy, but like what he brings, he can back it up with numbers from that position. It's not just an interchangeable thing for him. Whereas with Porter, it's nothing taken away from his talents, but like you can find other wings sometimes, you know, to, to put together numbers. Um, but for Aiton, for what he does on both ends of the court, you know, and he's still growing, I think you can make an argument for Max. I'm not saying he deserves it. I mean, if he gets it, God bless him. But I don't think either guy should. I think both of them should be probably around four years, 100, 105. But I'm not going to be surprised if they get four years, 112. Yeah, something like, you know I mean? But, but it's also you know probably realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's something that those teams... You know, no, I, I think those deals are going to get done. I mean, the other ones that kind of stand out, so Mikhail Bridges, uh, Jalen Jackson Jr., uh, Miles Bridges. Um, trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. Jaron Jackson, that's an interesting one because he kind of didn't have season to play last year, and he was playing catch-up the whole time. So I'm wondering if that affected what he's going to get paid. You know what he's going to get? He's going to get that same deal that Aaron Gordon just got. Okay. We'll see. We shall see. I, I think he's going to get a deal right around 490. Okay. Okay. I Now, I I'm not sure about Bridges, you know, the uh, the Bridges bros, but um yeah. <laughs> but it's tough to put a, it's tough to put valuation on some guys that are like perfect in what they do but don't have the gaudy numbers. I'm always interested in seeing how front offices kind of navigate that. Because, oh, my God, you paid this person $20 million and they only averaged 10 points. Like, yeah, but there's more to that. Yeah, but like, I'm going yeah, to look at, like, there's other analytical numbers and there's something to... 100%. You know, the way the guy fits on this team, his role, chemistry, keeping like, I'm curious. Together. I'm, I'm curious here in, in Cleveland to see if Colin Sexton you know, gets paid the, the 20 to 22 a year. I mean, arguably going to be more. I think he's going to get from what I've been to, from what I've been told, uh, you know, his camp already knows that he's not, he's not going to get the max, but I am interested in seeing what he uh, commands or like, you know, what they're willing to give up if they do so, if they do so, remember just because they're extension eligible doesn't mean an extension is going to be had. Right. That could make them a restricted free agent uh, in in next uh, off season, which uh, th- that could very well be a lot of ways that these, these turn out because the, the 20 to 22 class is just dwindling right now, just dwindling away. <laughs> um, and, and the names are just starting to dry up a little bit 
Uh, I but didn't Gordon was, and his camp yeah. like do everybody else a favor because they kind of set the market? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose. Because if you're Garland now, you're single. I got better numbers than that. <laughs> well, know? I mean, I guess when you look at what Aaron Gordon just made, though, that's not like a rookie extension. That's just an extension extension. Right. So, but I mean, you, you look at what <laughs> Luca made with his Supermax and Trey made a, a, a bunch of money. Uh, Shea made a bunch of money. So Marcus Smart made a bunch of money. Yeah. 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 They or did. even, um, why can't I think of it? The uh, Celtics, a uh, big man. Yeah. Robert Williams Robert did make Williams. a ton. Yeah. Four years, four, 54 million. That was a solid, solid uh, pickup for himself. But like, uh, we're looking at uh, a 2022 class that is, is okay. is okay at best. If, if these options aren't opted into, or, you know, even if the, if, even if, for, for example, James Harden has a player option going into next season, right? Going into the uh, 2022, 23 season. If he doesn't opt in, sure. He's a free agent, but is he really a free agent? Like mm-hmm. it, it's one of those is one of those classes, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, even Kawhi it's, Leonard it's got his money. It's, it's, it's headlined by like Zach Levine. Like this is, I mean, it's it's funny because like the Bulls made their choice. They could have gone into their cap space to give Zach a max deal, and they chose not to do that. They said we're going to build around you. But that being said, now you know Levine's going to become a unrestricted free agent after the season. And he's going to be about the only star player going into free agency. When you think about like, and who, who the hell are, has cap space? That's the other thing. Right, but who are the star players, you know, that are going into free agency this off season? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Zach Levine, man. I mean, and he just had a good showing at the Olympics. You know, we saw him play better at the end of last season. You know, now we've got, you know, let's see what he's going to do this season with a restructured uh, Bulls roster. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, I'm sure the Bulls want. To, well, I, I don't want to say that because we sit there and say, well, of course the Bulls want to keep them and they want to pay them. I think it just kind of depends. I mean, on on the surface, yes, but if there's a trade that's out there, maybe that's a route they want to go with him. You know, he's beloved though in Chicago. Yes, Zach is beloved there. So I mean, I think that would be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow if they um if they traded Zach away. No question. And again, who the hell is going to pay any of these guys? Because no one's got space. No one's- you will make space. If you can get a guy, I mean, the Miami Heat. I'm curious. All the time. I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody makes space. Yeah. Yeah. Mind I guess you, this they, is the current outlook looking, you know, a year. Can I tell you what me. team, you know, I don't want to see Zach leave the bulls, but if he did, the team, I think he would be a great fit on. And people could say, wow, there's a trade to be made right there. It's Philly. Okay. For what they need. Now, mind you, defensively, he's working on it. But offensively, he provides a lot. Now, you could sit there and go, well, does a Zach Levine-Ben Simmons trade make sense? Monetarily, it does. Outside of that, I don't know. Okay. You're segueing here. I see what you're doing, so may as well get into you're it. You're welcome, because I know how much you enjoy talking about. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it for, Simmons. like, 
two months in the NBA circles, yet people just continue to continue to continue to say things. Can I say this, though? Sam Amick wrote this piece, and basically it was a couple weeks ago, I think, and he was talking about, like, the Kings are not going to trade for Ben Simmons. If If memory serves me correct, I hope I'm remembering this right. I still think, though, that if Ben Simmons is going to be traded imminently, the team that makes the most sense if they're going to do a one-on-one deal, or even if it's a three-team deal, that the Sacramento Kings are involved. There is a deal to be made there. And the Kings can sit there and say, we're not trading Halliburton, or we're not trading Fox. Well, come on. I mean, a Halliburton-Buddy Heald deal, and maybe there's a pick involved somewhere, that deal makes a hell of a lot of sense. You've been saying that for the longest time as well. It makes sense and for so many different reasons. It's like, why are we not advancing this? And we've had a bunch of reports that there's been a quote-unquote small market team that's been in the in the oven, you know? Like, that's what I believe it was Brian Winter said on his podcast. Um, Minnesota? They, I would say Minnesota's, you know, been attached to that. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers have been attached to that, just knowing uh, who they have, even though, um, you know, there there hasn't been, like, specifics that have been drawn out. But I find it are, hilarious, you know, though, that, that Simmons' camp has said, like, he wants to go to California for one of the three teams. I'm like, well, there's four teams, and that fourth one is not the one he wants to go to. No, you ain't say, going was- to the Lakers. You ain't going to the Clippers, and you can dream all you want about going to the Warriors, but I don't know if that one's going to happen. That's yeah, the yeah, most realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not happening. Probably not happening. If it was going to happen for Golden State, I think it would have happened by now. And, I mean <laughs> – there's no way in hell he can get to the Lakers. And yeah. I don't think there's any there's any path to get to the Clippers. So if you want to go enjoy, you know, some sun out on the West Coast and you know, dip, dip your toes in the Pacific Ocean, the closest you're going to get is the capital of California, Sacramento. <laughs> we had some more, uh, you know, additional details on the Ben Simmons stuff, by the way. Tom Moore of uh, the Bucks County Courier Times uh, tweeted out today that the Sixers are expecting him to play this season. The expectation uh, is they'll just let it ride. It's bumpy right now, and the team expects it. Uh, but they expect it to get better. And the 76ers do not plan on making a deal that would drop them back in the standings uh, that doesn't get them a viable offer. So, uh that's kind of, I don't want to say that's newsy because like that's basically just Philly saying we're not taking anything that's, that's not worth Ben Simmons. And the asking price has been very high from what I understand. So what do you think of that? Would it be a mistake? Would it be like the Rockets a la James Harden last season where he played like eight games and then, you know, all things went to hell? Or uh, do you think it's something that they can work out? the difference between this situation and James Harden with the Rockets is that there were 29 other teams tripping over themselves to get James Harden. If they could, that is not the case with Ben Simmons, you know, and I think Ben is still a very good player, but we all saw what happened, you know, last year and especially in the playoffs. Um, The story about him too, about how ownership in doc rivers went and met with him and sat down with him personally. And 
Ben still said, uh-uh, to their face, saying, I want out and I'm not coming to camp. I think that was quite the revelation. We learned about that as well. And I think Ben and his camp have got to come to the realization that you're probably going to need to go back to Philly and you're going to have to play because the only way you're going to get out of that market right now is if you show everybody that you are the all-star player that you can be, you have to build up more interest in yourself. And the only way to do that is go back to Philly because Philly is not going to take what they deem a below market value for him. Daryl Morey will not do that. If Daryl doesn't care if it's awkward that they somehow you know, get Ben there and we have to do this whole rigmarole powwow with Doc and with Joel Embiid and Ben and how they have to all get in, you know, a room together. You know, we're, I mean, we're, we're two weeks away from a story about how Ben agrees to go out to like some late night dinner where they shut down a restaurant and the only people there are Doc and Joel, maybe the owner drops by, maybe not. And, you know, we hear about them having this three hour dinner, breaking bread and trying to smooth things out. Mm. And I don't know if that's the good decision. I, I, but I mean, it's you, I think it's the only decision Philly wants to give him because they're sitting there going, we're not going to be the bad guys in this. If you don't right. want to show up, then, then sit over there. We're trying to win a championship. Okay. That's the way they can sell this, you know, to their fans. Like, we want Ben to be here. If we're going to trade Ben, we got to get some form because we believe this team is a contender. We will take nothing less for us and for you fans as we try to win a championship around Joel Embiid. And if he doesn't want to be here and if he doesn't show up, that's on him. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that Philly, you know, as much as they want to do it this way and do it the, the you know do it the, the quote unquote right way. As they 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 shot themselves in the foot on this one, and I feel like yeah, Ben, there's Ben to blame, but they also have to blame themselves. Like this is a, this is both both sides are at fault. I Can you imagine I, if if Doc and Joel had not said the one? How much higher piece? would his value have been? Oh and, my and, and, god! And you know, like when you go publicly on record and say these things, and I was told like, oh, but they're just being honest. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Be honest with yourself, but don't say it to the cameras. Right. It's just you, so dumb. You know, when you want to be, I mean, I, I commend them for being honest, but for your franchise and for everything you're trying to do. Keep that in the locker room. Keep that between a text message. If, don't if you put it brutal, out there. Yeah. If you want to be brutally honest in public, you do it after he's traded. <laughs> do it then. <laughs> and if people want to say, oh, you're just running them over after the fact that you, you kicked them out the door. Fine, you know, whatever. It's not while well, he's on your team. Done, but you don't do it when he's on your team and you get value for this guy. Exactly. So instead of like 20 teams come calling, get, trying to give up good value for him, when you're asked, can this guy be a championship point guard? And you're like, I don't know. It's just like, nobody's going to call. No. Okay. Not at all. The dynamic changes at that point. You know, I mean, people saw what they saw. They, they cannot unsee, you know, Ben Simmons taking almost no shots in the fourth quarter of the playoffs or passing up on a dunk underneath the rim. All these different things. We saw that. You don't have to say something on top of it to accentuate the point. Exactly. And 
for them to be holding a ransom for this guy after their own team did that, of course teams are going to be like, what? <laughs> like, that, that That's just typical Daryl Morey, though. And, uh, I mean, I get that from his standpoint, but, like, I don't know if he's ever going to back down and be a little bit more realistic when it comes I, to his I man, because he can sit there and say, be forced to, I think I'm going to hold out for Damian Lillard. Well, don't hold your breath while you're doing that because, uh, <laughs> I, that's not happening anytime soon. You're gonna, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there were some other things that you wanted to get into, uh, on our little list here. Uh, basically just biggest stories of the off season, uh, that are going into the new season. We'll just, you know, hit on a few and we'll get out of here because we're, we, you know, we're getting close to an hour here. So uh, what did you want to start with? I, I see a few bullet points here. Well, well, I brought it up because, you know, we are so close to preseason games. You know, camp's going to start here soon. I think the first preseason game is October 3rd. Yep, there goes my free time, Brian. Yeah, I, any, exactly. any sliver of free time that I was going to say, how much better did your golf game get during this offseason of the three weeks you actually got to go to the course multiple times a week? It progressively got worse, believe it or not. What? What are you, Barkley? <laughs> Man, I started the year, I, I was coming off of an 86. And then out of nowhere, I go on my family golf trip. Have a great time, by the way. Win a lot of money. But I was scoring in the, you know, mid 100s, uh, like 105, 106, uh, inexplicably. Uh, but I was out in the mountains over in Simmons Springs, Pennsylvania, came back. And then when I wasn't playing on mountains, my death perception was thrown off. All of my vision was just out the window. Uh, couldn't read a green for crap and continued to shoot in the lower 100s. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking to break 90 before it starts snowing or else I might go clinically insane. Let me understand this though. You fleeced family members out of money playing golf against them? No, did not fleece anybody. If anything, they fleeced me because of how high their handicaps were. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, yeah. They're but goes, I mean, the exercise of this that I wanted to bring up was the offseason basically is over now. We're about to report to camp. And there was a lot that happened this offseason. So just as a refresher, as we get ready for the new season, Kind of what were the biggest stories of the offseason that that stood out in your mind? Yeah, and and you have uh, quite a few that are listed here. So, but what I, mean, I, I guess what are the one or two that that kind of stand out to you? Oh man, well I I was genuinely surprised that Russell Westbrook went to the Lakers. Um, it's just uh, just never used to see Russ on a you know su- quote unquote super team. Uh, so that's just kind of a little interesting to me. Uh, I'm happy for him uh, because he's, he's, you know, he's going after, you know, that gold and he finally has the opportunity to be on that goal because LeBron James is next to him and he has Anthony Davis and that's a team that won the championship two years ago. So, you know, I'm happy for him in that regard. I just, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Um, I, I truly didn't think that the Knicks were going to be able to get anything um, done in the off season. And it was really, really quiet for a while, but through adding Evan Fournier and re-signing all their guys and sneakily bringing Kemba Walker in. I love what they did. Um, so I, I think that, you know, those two, I, I think that um, there were a couple of duds, um, you know, Portland being one of them until they added Larry Nance Jr. I thought that was a really 
solid move for them uh, in that trade. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say that those those stand out to me. Um, I, I know you have here that Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal are still on the same teams. Uh, not exactly surprising to me because it's really hard. It's really hard to get those types of guys uh, moving, no matter what kind of deal they have. Those are usually something that's done mid-season, early season, but not usually in the summer. Uh, and, and if it is done in the summer, it happens like right around draft time. It doesn't happen in this dead period of August and September. So uh, that's not exactly surprising to me, I guess. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll just kind of hand the, the torch to you here. Well, I would say the two things that stood out to me the most was, you know, say what you will about Westbrook. The lack of a top-end superstar or him being the only one, if you want to say it, because there was so much talk about could Beal get moved, could Lillard get moved, is Ben Simmons going to get moved? And the only guy that we've seen when it comes to like a, a top-end superstar that get moved was the one we didn't see coming, and that was Russell Westbrook. Well, we probably should have been looking for that anyway. And and that I would say the other story too, and it's something that's kind of snuck up on us, but we can really see it now uh, following, you know, this offseason is the rise of the Eastern Conference that for, I don't know how long, for at least a decade, if not longer, the West has been the stronger of the two conferences, at least on paper. And even the way it's played out and and now you look at it and you could say the top end teams obviously are still very good, but um, the East I think is deeper overall. I think it's going to be a tougher road for teams to get out of the East. When you look at the 15 teams in the East, I think there are 12 of them that can make an argument that they will get into at least the play-in tournament, you know, for the playoffs. Um, so, and seeing how deep and good the East is, and it feels like it's better than the West. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, deeper. I would have to agree with. Um, I'm, there's more bottom end teams. When I look at the West, there was a lot of move. There was a lot of, of, of switching up. Um, yeah. and I think that's, that's the, the fun part of the off season that usually comes with it. Um, a lot of makeovers, a lot of makeovers, a lot of new teams, uh, the West pretty much, you could look at them and they just stood pat. Like they have the same cores. They have the same, you know, all that stuff. And the East was just like, all right, well, let's kind of change things up. And it was mostly, it was mostly them. Honestly, like you look at New York completely, I wouldn't say completely different team, but you know, a, a, a much deeper, better team. Um, you look at Miami adding Kyle Lowry, um, Boston going and giving Brad, uh, Brad Stevens, the, the the general manager job and bringing Ime Adoka and having, you know, some moving piece, moving pieces, parts there, Washington, who I think had the most underrated off season of any team in the NBA, uh, bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie and stuff. Uh, but I think that that is the most entertaining part of, you know, summertime and, and the off season is that we see things change. And really in the West, uh, the only thing that majorly changed was the Lakers. And that right. was by bringing in Russ and, and I think, trading yeah, away those guys. Everybody else in the West more or less stood pat, you know, like Chris Paul, he stayed, you know, quiet Leonard, you know, he stayed, got an extension, you know, uh, Damian Lillard still obviously with Portland, 
you know, the Warriors are the team. I think that are the wild card going into this upcoming season because at some point, uh, probably around Christmas or so, they're going to get Clay Thompson back. Uh, you know, so there's all these different things. You know, and when it comes to the teams that have been at the bottom of the West, they're probably still going to be at the bottom of the West when it comes to the Rockets and the Thunder and the the Timberwolves. And I still think the Kings. And, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting to see the Spurs because we have so many different questions about what they're doing right now that they might even fit into that, you know. And just overall, when I, I look at the East compared to the West right now, especially when you talk about, you know, in the East, you've got the Nets and you've got Milwaukee right there. I mean, you're talking, you know, two of the best, probably three teams, maybe even the top two teams in the entire league are right there, you know, and they're going to have to battle it out even just to get out of the East. And you look at some other teams, you know, when it comes to, we'll see how good Philly is going to be this coming season. What's going on with, with the Simmons situation. Can the Hawks get that much better? The heat now with the changes they've made, you know, are they going to be right in the, the thick of things when it comes to coming out of the East and contending for a title? So, you know, the East just looks that much stronger overall, I think, at the top. And when I look at the, the depth of the overall conference. Right, right, exactly. And I think I think we're going to have a fun season. I, <sighs> you didn't no, want to break down DeAndre Jordan going to the Lakers? No. <sighs> I, I, do, you want to, I, do you want to break down the five different uh, big men going to Brooklyn. Oh my God. Dude. Like, do, you, do you want to bring that stuff up? Like how it does, how everybody's going to fit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, where I work my day job, I had somebody talk to me about like, Oh man, you guys got DeAndre Jordan. I'm like, that, that's interesting. He went there and I'm like, he ain't going to play man. Or he's going to play very little. I'm like, like he doesn't bring much to the table. <laughs> I'm like, what did you, what did you, what did you think as Mr. Laker fan, as Mr. Number one Laker guy, uh, what did you think of the Mark Gasol stuff? I felt bad for Mark, but it's not surprising. I mean, Mark is such a good dude, too. But the Lakers made a mistake in bringing him in in the first place just because of, you know, two years ago when they won the title and the way that that team was constructed. And then they said, we're going to go away from that from our bigs. And they brought in Mark. And he just kind of had to work his way into shape and just work his way into a fit. And it seemed like they were finding that, but it was coming at a time when, you know, Anthony Davis got injured, then LeBron got injured, and they decided they wanted to get back to what they had the previous year, and it was too late, you know, and Gasol just didn't fit in that role. And it, it stinks. I mean, I understand what LA was doing, but they made the mistake before the season and bringing in Mark. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's it's unfortunate the way that it went down, but I mean I think the Lakers obviously wanted to try to at least make it as good as possible exit for Mark, and they did you know and shipping him back to Memphis and then you know him taking the buyout now he's going to go play in Spain and that's probably where he should be this coming season to end his career which is going to end up being a Hall of Fame career, right? And it's cool kind of that he can retire his NBA career as a Memphis Grizzly, you know, like even though, even though he's, you know, probably not going to see another minute in floor in Grizzly uniform just feels kind of right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Back home. So it was, it was just weird the way it went down. And then you look at what LA has done in the off season. They're like, yeah, we kind of like those bigs that can, you know, be around the rim and dunk. 
We gotcha. like that. We like the lob guys. They're going to be there in the dunker spots. So. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? There's a lot of those uh, scattered throughout the association. But by the way, you mentioned the Nets. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the story of uh, Aldridge coming back? Oh, extremely happy for him. Um, I'm, you know, as basically like a, you know, a worried parent, just being a, you know, a, a fan, uh, you just hope that he's all right. You hope that uh, the clearance that he got was legitimate and that he's able to perform the way he wants to perform and end his career on his own terms. That's what we all hope. Um, and I think that, you know, if he's able to do that, then it'll be a great decision. And this is a thing, too, where the Nets have the the pick of the litter as far as they are concerned, um, you know, with the the four and the five position. Um, they're able to employ, you know, based on matchups, they're able to probably rest their guys here and there because they have such an embarrassment of riches uh, from that perspective. So I think it's good from that, you know, from that vision and also uh, in the playoffs to just have that luxury I think is is going to benefit everybody, uh, but just them as a whole and that room as a whole of veterans that will be able to stay healthy and be able to, you know, not have to play back to backs and all of that jazz. And then once the playoffs come, everyone will have hopefully, um, you know, made it through and done a solid job of, you know, just kind of maintaining throughout the year. I think it's great. And I think that LaMarcus loved what the Nets did for him. And he was, you know, extremely grateful for, for them, you know, given, giving him an opportunity after the, the buyout with the Spurs. And I'm happy to see LMA back uh, in the NBA. I don't know how many games he's going to play, how significant of a role he's going to have. Uh, but just to see him out in the court, I think is a, a reward in itself. Are you going to the Browns game? on Sunday to watch them get their first win of the year and they beat the Houston Texans. Absolutely. No question. No question. Uh, I'm not going to the game though. I'm going to be downtown. Oh, be downtown having fun. Will you have a dog pound mask on? I will not have a dog pound mask on. I'll be a lot more creative than that. You breaking out your Ernest Bynum Jersey. Ernest Bynum. Get it right. It's Ernest Biner. Biner. Excuse me. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I've actually, hey, fun fact, I've actually interviewed Ernest Biner. He's a very nice guy. Yeah. Very nice guy. I've also uh, interviewed Michael uh, Dean Perry, who is the okay. Fridge's brother, if right. you remember. Uh, is Bernie Kozar going to be at the bar with you guys? You know what? If you say one bad thing about Bernie. I'm not I'm saying sad- anything, but I didn't, okay. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it as a bad thing. I mean, our, yeah. I should have phrased this. Will I you wish. be hanging with Bernie Kozar? Let me put I that wish. Way. I wish. Bernie, Bernie, by the way, shout out to Bernie. Bernie follows me. Okay, he knows how impassioned I am as a Browns fan. He knows when he, he wants also, to get his calves info. He follows yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. That's very helpful. Um, you know, Eric Metcalf, same thing. Love, love all the '90s Browns when I was a little tyke. You know, I, I wasn't able to watch them or remember them, but I do have the power of YouTube. I have the power of DVD and VHS if I so choose to take in my team's history. Mm. So. Yes. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. To answer your question, I will be downtown cheering on the dog pound, getting my boys a victory. We're going to be back to 500. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. But it's great to have the NFL back. It's it's great to have all these sports coming back together again. 
Soon enough, we'll have MLB playoffs. Not really much there to do with my tribe slash guardians. Uh, not quite going to make it this year, but looking optimistic. On Tuesday uh, night, that. my wife wanted to watch a movie, and I convinced her to watch Major League for the first time. Oh, one of the greatest sports Indians. movies of all time. She oh, my gosh. It. She loved I it. Will, I'll quote that up and down with you. I will quote oh, that up absolutely. and down with you. Maybe on an episode of Keeping the 94 for bored. <laughs> but um, no, I think uh, with that said, and oh, before we wrap up, I would like to thank Mr. Brian Fritz and Jerry Lynn for awesome, awesome tickets to Cincinnati's All Elite Wrestling Show. Kind of doing a little bit of a mixture of our worlds. Brian and I go back, uh, did some wrestling uh, stuff together. Uh, and it's awesome that he repaid me with these tickets for me and my buddy Marty, who used to be a part of Podcast Network that they had. So uh, it was a really fun time. Got a little mini vacay out of it. Explored the Queen City. Got a lot of pictures. If you want to see them, just let me know. You almost got the high five John Moxley. He oh, just so close. Section of the crowd. So close. So close. So close. But I did get to see Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole. Kenny Omega. Daniel Bryan, who is oh, that? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Brian Danielson. My bad. My bad. My bad. NBA fans are going to have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> but it's okay. It's a good way to wrap it up on a confused note. What's not confusing is that we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got 11 other great ones for you to listen to. Not limited to the Rex Chapman show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin. The Posecast with James Posey. Congratulations to Pose, by the way. Virginia women's assistant head coach just got hired by Tina Thompson, one of his best friends. For 20 years now, there's actually an article that he wrote talking about what it means to him to be a part of that staff and to be colleagues with Tina. So make sure you go read that on basketballnews.com. Dishes and dimes with the ladies. The rematch with Aton Thomas. He just had Brian Grant on. That was pretty awesome. Good episode. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. The Alex Kennedy Podcast. And of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly. Both of those last two are hosted by Alex Kennedy. Top Shot Weekly also has Oliver Maroney as a part of that. So I think uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, visit basketballnews.com. We've been still going strong for you. Got interviews, got analysis, got headlines, all of the good stuff that you as a basketball fan has to know, particularly Trey Young being at WWE as a wrestling heel. That's one of my favorite things that's that happened in this last That was incredible at Madison Square Garden. That was, you know, I, I go after WWE for some of their creative mishaps. Uh, this was a slam dunk. Pun intended. And with that said, for Brian Fritz, I'm Spencer Davies. We will talk to you until the next episode of Keeping the 94. Stay classy. Mm-hmm.